You're listening to Tiny Home Tours, a podcast that celebrates all things tiny living. We're your hosts, Allison, Chris, and Loren. Join us as we sit down with nomads and tiny home dwellers to discover why they went tiny, the lessons they've learned, and inspire you to take the leap. This episode is brought to you by the Tiny Home Tours newsletter. Would you enjoy a weekly newsletter that shares all things tiny? Every Friday, we share sneak peeks of full upcoming tour videos, blog posts, and new podcast episodes. Join with the link below or by visiting tinyhometours.com. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Tiny Home Tours podcast. I am your host today, Loren at Flip Float Fly Away, and I have uh, one of my I guess both old and new van life friends uh, with me today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm Katie Ryan at Katie Ryan, K-A-T-I-R-Y-A-N on Instagram. And I am in a 2,500 Ram Promaster named Junie. I have been on the road for like oh, a year and three or four months now, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for coming and chatting with me. Um, so I want to kind of start with just some of the like the standard van life questions. So I think the one that we all get very frequently is how how did you discover van life? How did you learn that people lived in vehicles and decide that you also wanted to do that? Ah, it's been a long journey. Um, I know I've shared this story with you once before, but I started noticing van life on Pinterest like 10 years ago. (laughs) And I remember seeing it and being like, wow, those people are cool. And I was living in, I don't even remember where I was at that time, probably Atlanta or maybe DC. And I was just like, wow, I'm in this high rise. And I just can't even fathom a world where I can do that. But I created a Pinterest page for van life like 10 years ago and just started pinning things to it for whatever reason. And then um, fast forward, I was living in San Francisco and it was about five or six years ago now. And I was like, wait, I think I might be one of these people. Hold on. And it was like, oh, this is going from kind of a dream fantasy land. Now this is transitioning into a goal. I'm going to do this, I think. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I think I'm going to be one of those people in some way. Um, And I kind of found it through that. But then also, um, I like climbing. I'm an adventurer. I like being outside. And I just realized, like, I don't need as much stuff as I have. And I don't really need this high rise, fancy place. Like, why am I living this way? I don't even want to. Um, And so I started like downsizing and yeah, it just felt more aligned. Did you feel that once you kind of saw it as that, like, instead of this thing that you pin and it kind of became a goal, do you think it had like its own momentum and then all the things just fell into place? Or was there like a moment where you said like, I'm going to do everything I can to like make this dream a reality. And I'm going to shift all these things in my life. Like, what did that look like? It was a bit more organic. Um, I just knew that it was going to happen some way. Um, it, it kind of started getting its own legs because I was working at a tech startup in the Bay area and they were doing a riff, a reduction in force. And they came to me and they said, Hey, you need to figure out who you're going to lay off on your team. And I thought about it and I was like, oh, it's going to be me. I'm going to lay myself off. (laughs) And they're like, 
okay. <laughs> and so I wanted to start my own company. And so laid myself off, lost my corporate salary, right? Freaked out. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I live in the Bay Area. Now I have no money. <laughs> and so I had to decrease my cost of living. And I ended up, I was living in this high rise. I got rid of that. I got three random roommates that I had never met before. I cut my cost of living into a fifth. I moved wow. into, I had to get rid of a lot of my stuff because I was moving in with people where before I was furnishing like a two bedroom place. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm downsizing and I have to cut my cost of living back. And, um, because I knew I wanted to start my company and ramp it up and yeah. So I needed to figure out how to do that. So that was kind of like phase one that I didn't even realize was going to line up with van life in such an organic way. Um, but, but it did, you know, and cutting things back and, and then the work situation, right? Like I'm my own boss. I started my own business and I can do what I want. And after the first year or two, I realized like, I want to work less and I want to live more. Um, I want like a life work balance instead of a work life balance. I'm like a recovering workaholic. And I was like, I'm not doing this ever again. And so I started like releasing, or I'm still working on releasing, I should say, tying my worth to productivity. You know, like I have to be so productive. I have to get all these things done in order to be me. And I'm still working on releasing that, but I'm doing a better job at it now. Um, and I made a commitment when I started my business to take at least a full month in a row off every year. And wow. so I was like, no matter what, wow. I am taking 30 full days off in a row every year and other time too. And so I started doing that and I just started figuring out this balance and tango of how much I wanted to work versus needed to work versus what society was pressuring me to work. And so it just sort of like organically started making more sense. My life started aligning more with van life. And, you know, I do, because I started my own company, the first couple of years were rough financially, and now it's a successful business. And so I do have the financial privilege of, I had the financial privilege of being able to buy the van um, and buy it empty. And then I built it out myself with a friend of mine and like all of that. And so I didn't have to do a lot of like budget planning per se. Like I know a lot of people need to when they make the decision um, to do that. For me, it was more like I needed to just jump in. Like it was time. And with COVID, I was like, what am I waiting for? Why am I not already out there? Why am I in this apartment? I don't want to be in this apartment. And so, yeah, I just traded in my Honda Accord, bought an <laughs> empty cargo van. And I was like, I guess now I'll figure it out. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. I want to come back later to your business, um, but since you mentioned building out your own van, you know, what was that process like? Had you, I assume having been living in like a high rise in, in a bunch of different cities and then, you know, moving into a roommate situation that you didn't have like a garage with a bunch of tools or, um, you know, all the things that you needed that way. Yeah, well first thing is I had only used a drill and maybe one saw before, um, I built out my van. All you need. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Just a drill and a saw. <laughs> Luckily, um, one of my really good friends has built out tiny homes. He built a tiny house in Alaska 
and he built out an airstream before and he became one of my friends because he was one of my guides when I climbed a big mountain and we just became friends forever and he's awesome and so I was like hey with COVID you're a guide you're probably not getting much business can I pay you can I come like live with you and use all your tools and can I pay you to help me build out my van and he's like, yeah, you got, you're going to move in with my two kids and my cat and live above the garage. And I'm like, let's go. So he helped me a lot, like, um, with learning how to use tools and we would kind of work on it together. And then he would work on it a lot. And then I would work on it when he couldn't. And so we just kind of tangoed the build together, which was pretty cool. Um, I mean, the build design, I think we should probably talk about that, Loren. <laughs> probably. <laughs> So, um, yeah, the fact that I wanted to do van life and I was waiting to find the layout and then somehow, I don't know how years ago, find you on Instagram. And I'm like, this is the build. This is the build. This is what I'm going to do. So I follow you. There's all these screenshots of your Instagram page in my camera roll, which is just so funny now because now we're such close friends. Um, But I wanted the Murphy bed style. I wanted a very dynamic layout. I knew I was going to have to work and live. And if the bed's down all day, I'm going to stay in bed. So I wanted like a really dynamic space to be able to host people because I love hosting when I was in an apartment and I knew I wanted to be able to do that in a van. And so, yeah. Uh, thank you for, you were literally like the nudge. (laughs) You didn't even know. (laughs) Well, you and I really, we lived similar lives. You know, we lived in DC at the same time. Um, we kind of were in similar career fields for a little bit. And I think we, we like a lot of the same things we like, uh, providing space for our friends to gather like we want to be that nexus of community we want to have like a big table for meals we also need a really really functional workspace because you know we both work a lot of different jobs like a lot of different types of jobs within our careers and we also want like a space that's like cozy and ours and that's why I designed this van this way uh, for me but apparently also for you (laughs) Thank you. You were the nudge that put me over the line. And um, I'm very grateful for it. I remember watching, I think it was your tiny home tour, funny enough, (laughs) and sending it to my friend and being like, watch this. This is what I want. And we would like watch snippets of it. We're like, zoom in. What is that? What did she do there? (laughs) And it's just so funny to see our vans next to each other too, because they're so similar and uniquely ours, you know, but um, yeah, I hadn't done any type of carpentry work or anything and I remember just being so nervous when I was cutting in the windows it's like this perfectly good van and now I'm just gonna cut a hole in the side of it oh my gosh I was so nervous my friend's like okay how can I support you right now I'm like just keep telling me I'm doing a good job (laughs) just keep telling me I'm doing a good job I'm freaking out over here (laughs) but it was good a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into this build. And let's just say she has a lot of character, a lot of unique character in her. Do you feel like now you've like learned a bunch, like, are you, do you feel like a confident builder? Are you confident in like some new tools? You know, like, have you, do you think you've grown in that way in ways that you didn't anticipate? Yeah. Like I had an electrical issue not that long ago and I was able to troubleshoot and fix it 
which I just felt like a total badass, you know, I was in the Lowe's parking lot and I'm like, let's just figure out what it is. You know what this system is. Now I didn't run the electrical. I mean, I pulled the electrical through and like, I helped wire some of it, but I did want my friend to do that because that just can get really dangerous. Um, but I know enough about it and I was involved enough to understand like what was going wrong and I was able to fix it on my own. And I would say I'm like handier than I used to be. Like I used to just like call my landlord and be like, this is broken. And now even when I'm in an Airbnb for work or something, I'm like, oh, let me just get out my, I'll like fix something at the Airbnb. <laughs> you know? I'm like, Why am I doing this? But yeah, I would just say in general, I tend to be a bit handier and you can't call a landlord. It's like owning a house, you know, you got to figure it out. And so I would say I'm handier. There are things that I wouldn't feel comfortable still doing without someone's help. Um, anything too technical as it relates to electrical, I would want someone to take a look at. Um, even some of the like plumbing stuff, like where the water comes in and um, I helped install it, but it still makes me nervous. It's just, I don't know, you know, the way houses are ruined is water and fire. So I'm just like, oh, I just want to make sure that I don't mess anything up. But besides that, I would say in, in general, I feel pretty confident going into a garage and grabbing a tool and using it. I feel like that's so empowering, especially, um, you know, just traditionally women are not taught those skills. We're not supposed to have those skills. Like the feeling of being able even just to troubleshoot like a super basic problem. Like I, I switched out a circuit breaker, um, in this, in the, the fall that was like making my heater faulty. And I was like, Oh, this was so cool. Like I knew to like to pull up the circuit and I like held it up to the light. And I saw that the little circuit was broken and I had like a whole little bag and I found the right one. And I put it in like, obviously this is very basic, but electrical it's not something nobody ever taught me how to do electrical I knew how to right. use like a hammer and a drill and like I can hang a photo I can put an anchor in the wall to hang a shelf like that was the level of building skill um that sure. I had pre being a homeowner yeah and just the ability you're like well I have time today um I need to figure out how to make this work again let me look at stuff and see if I can figure <laughs> it out um and now you'll know forever how to do that, which is just cool. And you can teach someone else if they don't know. And there's a lot of like shared knowledge out here too, you know, where it's like, can you take a look at this with me? And someone will come in and look and they're like, oh, it's just this easy thing. And you're like, oh, I had no idea. Thank you. You know, so it's really cool. Yeah. I had a, I had an experience a few weeks ago um, when we were in Quartzsite with, uh, I was standing with a few other solo female van lifers who have been on the road about the same time that I have. And this new girl um, who had been in the process of doing her build out where we were, she came up and she's like, can y'all come look at my floor? I like, I said, I put the floor down, but everything is moving. And we're like, oh, like, did you put a subfloor down? She was like, what's a subfloor? And then we had this conversation of like, oh, like this is what a subfloor is. And it was really cool. I feel like there was a moment where I came away from myself and I was watching four women three women teach another woman what a subfloor was and like how to properly lay a floor in her home. Like that, it was just so, oh, how would we it. ever be in this situation if we all still lived in apartments in a city? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's really empowering. I love it. And I love to see it too. Like I roll up in our friend Amber's van the other day and she's just yanking electrical out, like rewiring stuff. Like, yes, what are you doing in here? This is great. (laughs) I love that. So shifting gears a little bit, I want to go back and talk about your business because I feel like there have got to be so many people listening to this that are like, I also would like to quit my corporate job and start a business. So I think first let's start with what is your business? You know, what do you do? And then we'll, we'll talk maybe about how you started it. Okay. Um, it's called a positive adventure. Um, I named it that cause I wanted to remind myself of what <laughs> I care about when things felt hard, keep going. Um, yeah, it's called a positive adventure. And what it is, is a learning and development business. So we work mostly with startups. It's not just startups, but um, mostly startups and help them kind of organize the chaos of people development. So that includes like training programs for all employees, management development programs um, in startup world. They get funding and then they hire all these people and they typically move the front line up. And it's like, you used to sleep on my couch after happy hour. And now I have to have performance conversations with you. (laughs) This is weird. So we kind of come in and just help. What does it mean to be a good manager? How can you be a good leader? Because most people want to be a good manager and leader and they don't know how, and they've maybe not seen it or ever had the opportunity to step up into a role like that. So we do like workshops, programs with businesses on how to be a good leader. And then we also do one-on-one executive and management and employee coaching. Um, And that's just like one-to-one. So we do like the one-to-many side. And then we do the one-to-one where it's like, let's get in there. Like what's happening right now? And how can we get you past a roadblock that you're in or be a better leader, operate in a better way? So it's really fun. That's such a cool space to be in. I think this is like a real issue we have in corporate America where you progress to a certain level of the corporate ladder and now you are expected to be a people person and a manager of people. And that does not necessarily mean like all of the skills that you've been rewarded for, that you've been promoted for, have anything to do with conflict resolution, with interpersonal skills, with communication, with dialogue. And then you have these horrible managers and you get new people who intern under them and they've never been, they've never been treated, you know, correctly by a manager. So they don't know when they become managers, you know, it's a real issue we have within the corporate ladder in, in this country. It's so true. And that's the reason people leave their jobs, right? There was a Gallup study that was done. I don't know, many moons ago now, but basically said people leave their managers, not their jobs, you know, and We just have to develop people and make sure that they know that like as companies that they want to invest in them doing a good job. It's like, we care about you. We want to promote you and we're going to help you do a good job. Um, So it's just, it's really fun too to watch new managers learn skills and those aha moments go off and you can see the light bulb and you're just like, yes. Uh, And then you go into a one-on-one coaching environment and they're like, you know, in that workshop, I tried this thing and that really helped. And you just get to see it and hear it really come to life and make a difference for the individual, for the company. And then I would argue for the collective, like if we're all better communicators, everything's just better, you know? So it's a really rewarding job. I love, I love what I do. 
That's so awesome. I'd, I'd love to know kind of like what the nitty gritty of starting, like how does, you have this idea, you're in your Bay Area job, you lay yourself off, like what do you do now? How do you just start? How does one start a business? <laughs> how did you start yours? I wasn't ready. First of all, you're never ready. I think it's like when people say you're never ready for kids. It's like the same thing. It's like, <laughs> I was not ready to do it, but I did it. Um, first thing is to be honest, I freaked out. I did. I laid myself off and then I applied for like 50 jobs. I was like, what have I done? And I got really far along in interview processes with like big tech names in the Bay area like headquartered in the Bay area. And I got really far along and there were like these big price tags over my head. And I was just like, what am I doing? I do not want this job. Why am I doing this? Hold on, you know? And I'm so glad that I was able to press pause and realize like money's not my motivator. It's a motivator for everybody, right? We need money to survive. And I'm not trying to be a millionaire. Like I don't, it's just not, it's not what I'm here for. And so I like removed myself from these, um, interview processes. I did go through one and it was like the universe smacked me in the face because it was a, another big tech firm in the Bay area. And they were like, you're overqualified for this role, but do you consult? Because we could really use your expertise. And it was just like a smack in the face where I'm like, okay, yes, I do. Right. And and I, I've been doing learning and development for a long time, right? I was internal at companies doing it. And I basically would come in and, and do what I do now, but, but I would do it for one company. And now I do it for lots of companies. And so I do have the expertise, right? Like I have the expertise of learning and development. I've been in, I think it's like 14 years now that I've been <laughs> in learning and development. And so I have been in the space for a while And so I think the first thing is like, what is that niche? And like, what is your expertise? And so for me, it was that. What I'm not an expert in is everything else as it's related (laughs) to running a company, (laughs) like payroll and finance and HR and legal and like accounting. I mean, just, I was like, this will be fine. (laughs) And it's tricky, you know, and you can make it more complicated when you first start. So I think the key is like, keep it simple do one thing at a time. Um, I had the luxury of, I laid myself off and the company I was working for was like, will you stay for six more months? And I was like, we were able to work out something where I was like, yes, as long as I can sunset with you all while I sunrise my business. And so I was able to do this like really interesting thing where I was kind of ramping up my company while I was finishing my corporate job. And I had a client because that client that was like, we're not going to hire you, (laughs) but we would love for you to consult for us. That was my first client. Um, and I don't know if that's luck. I don't know what you call that, but it just kind of lined up in a really beautiful way. Yeah. It helped get my confidence up and then the well ran dry because I didn't sign any clients for a while. Um, and so I think the key when you start something is to realize that it's going to be hard 
Um, I have these video, I, I took video journaling that year. I, I did like video journaling on my iPhone. And I was like, I want to record these hard moments. I was like crying into my iPhone and I'm like, why won't anyone sign a deal? Why is it so hard? I'm like bawling, like ugly crying into my iPhone because I knew that eventually it was not going to be like that. Like in my core, I just knew it. I just knew it. And I'm like, I want to remember how hard it was. And I want to like remind myself and other people that it's hard. If it was easy, everyone would do it. You know, it's like van life. Not everybody (laughs) does it. It's hard. It's tricky. There are times when you get in a low. And I think for like starting the business for me, I needed to cozy up next to a couple other people who were doing something similar, who had like just quit their job. And we kind of held each other accountable. Like I remember having a biweekly call with somebody. I don't even talk to this person anymore. Like, I mean, I would, but we just kind of, (laughs) we had a reason and a season that we were in each other's lives. And it was to check in and say like, what were the highs and lows of your week? How's it going? You know? And Um, I think cozying up next to somebody who's in a similar space and somebody who's smarter than you, like an advisor or a mentor or even a coach, if you can afford to pay for a coach um, and just ask questions and get advice. You don't even have to take it all. But I had someone when I first started my company and he said, whatever you're charging, multiply it by 1.5 until they start negotiating because I have a feeling you're too nice. And I was like, Oh, that's so scary, (laughs) you know? Um, But I think just like have people who hold you accountable, who've done it before and who are currently doing it is like the key to it all. That really helped me a lot. Yeah, I think that also rings true um, for working on the road. I feel like people, like the, the people who struggle the most with remote jobs from their rigs are the people who surround themselves with people who are not working or people who are working seasonal gigs. So they're in their vacation period. And I think like one, one of my like greatest success tips is just to hang out with other digital nomads. If you want to like be able to feel okay about like missing out on X, Y, Z during the work week and not being able to go to that off-grid campsite, you know, and, and, hang out with your friends who have no cares in the world because like their financial situation looks different than yours. Yes. That is tricky. You know, when you're holed up in your van, cause you've got work all day and you can like peek out your window and everyone's out there having fun. And you're like, Oh, you get FOMO, you know, and it's easy to just be like, oh, I'll do this later. I'll do this tomorrow. And so I think like for me setting boundaries for myself and like, okay, these days this week, I'm going to crank on work because I know everyone's going to go on that hike on Friday, or there's something coming up that I want to be able to unplug for, or I'm still figuring out my cadence, like the, the, like the, the tango that works best for me. Like for example, the way I've structured it is that Mondays and Fridays, I have no meetings. Um, I have therapy on Monday and that's my only meeting. (laughs) And that way I can like do a little bit of work. It can be like a due day instead of a meeting day. So I don't necessarily have to have great internet. So if I want to have a long weekend, I could do like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then be in a place Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with solid service so that I crank on those days to like have my client meetings, do my coaching calls, schedule workshops. Um, And that's been working well for me. 
And then I have Mondays, Fridays as a buffer, right? If a client really needs it, it's available. Um, and that's been really nice for me, um, but I'm still kind of figuring out what the healthy cadence is for me. I don't quite know yet. I'm sure, especially as a business owner versus as a remote employee, that like working from the road looks a little bit differently for you than it does for people who just have picked up a remote gig or they're doing contract work where like they have a specific task that they have to do by a deadline. Because if you don't work at all, you make you make no money. And if you don't work, nobody checks in on your business for you. It's just, you know, like you are the person steering the ship. Yeah. Yes. And that can be tricky because like, I don't have technically a boss, right? Nobody's like, Hey, where are you? I mean, I have clients that we've been working with for four years, you know, and we're built into their budget. And so it kind of is like, they're like, Hey, we're ready for you to do the thing that you always do every year with us. Where are you? You know? So, um, there is a certain level of accountability and, you know, we do a lot of planning the previous year for the next year. So like almost all the contracts that we'll sign this year have already been signed and my, our schedule is like planned out. Now we have availability for coaching and, you know, there's like pockets that will always be available. Um, but the year is kind of planned out through December um, because we do like monthly trainings with a few clients. And so it, that adds up. It's like a couple big trainings every single month. And then we leave in coaching. And so there's a level of accountability there. What's really fascinating for me is that people are always like, how are you going to scale? Like, how are you going to make your business bigger? Because it could get bigger. It's very, it's successful, you know, like it's going well. Um, and it just like the revenue just keeps doubling, doubling, doubling year over year, even more. And I'm like, ah, what do I want to do? Like, do I want this to get big? And right now the answer is no, like, I don't want that. I want it to stay where it is. And so for me, I'm practicing saying no to opportunities because right now I, my life, I want my life to be like 33% work, 33% self-work and 33% adventure. Like that's my goal is to have this like balance in life like that. And it's tricky as a workaholic, like a natural workaholic. And I didn't grow up with a lot of money. And so like, I have this like scarcity mindset that lives inside of me where I'm like, I need to take all the opportunities because this might run out, you know, and I'm trying to remember that like, that's not, no, it's okay. You can, you can create balance in your life. And you built this and you will be able to make more if you need it. But it's really fascinating to just sit here and be like, I could be working all the time, but I'm choosing not to. Yeah. Sometimes it feels really tricky to navigate that. <laughs> yeah. We've been practicing that Atenium Tours for the last year as well. Um, I think our, our motto for 2021 and I think going to 2022 is that the things we say no to are more important than the things we say yes to and really right just like really trying to say no and make sure that the things that we are saying yes to we are doing exceptionally well I love that that is so important like how to say no when to say no yeah, it's a constant human tango figuring that out. <laughs> you know, it's like, but I kind of want to say yes. Do I? Why do I want to say yes? Is yeah. it for the right reason? Like, what's where's the yes coming from? Is it money? Is it ego? Is it because I actually want to do this? Do I need to do it? 
it's um yeah it's it's an interesting tango to figure out yeah being a reformed workaholic myself um yeah I, I feel that intimately I really like your percentage breakdown I think that one of the things that is incredibly difficult for new nomads is trying to strike that balance um not necessarily even between like work and play but even just like healthy life balance and play you know um, especially in the winter months when a lot of us gather in the same places it can be a ton of just go 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 social interaction and uh, i watch it every year these these brand new baby nomads just run themselves to the ground when they completely abandon all of their eating routines exercise routines self-care routines um i think you for having been on the road for a decent chunk of time but not a crazy long amount of time you seem to really you you do a good job i think at knowing yourself um and figuring that out like what are some of the strategies and things you've come up with to like make sure that you maintain a balanced lifestyle first of all thanks because sometimes i don't <laughs> feel like i do so thanks i'm glad you see it that way um well i think you know i am a little bit older than some people who are on the road right like i'm 37 and so I think a lot of the like baby nomads that come out are also a bit younger and they're still figuring out how to take care of themselves in general. Like I remember being younger and just wanting mm -hmm. to go, go, go as well. Like it's part of being young. Part of being in your twenties. Uh, yeah, it's great. And I love that. And I've sort of figured out through trial and error and crashing and burning that it's not sustainable for me. And um, I think that uh, something I'm, I'm still figuring it out is that balance of movement and stillness. And for me, I really need kind of like a one-to-one -one ratio. So like every day I sit still, I need a day of a lot of movement. Um, and it doesn't have to be every other day, but I can't sit for a long time. Right. And by sit, you know, we don't just like sit, we're always doing stuff. There's always chores to do or like making, going to get water and like running around. But I mean, like, you know, when we just like sit in chairs and in the sun, which is really nice and maybe drink or whatever, I, I need to go on hikes. I need to go climbing. Like when I lived in a house, I went climbing like five days a week at least. And I need to like, what I found is I need to keep that balance for my mental health, for my physical health. Those two things are so correlated for me. And I think everybody, um, I'm still figuring out my relationship with food on the road as well, which is I love to cook and cooking for one is tricky. And I also have an allergy to gluten, so I can't always eat what everybody's sharing. And so, um, I'm still cracking that nut for myself. Like, what do I like to eat a big breakfast, a big lunch, a big dinner, all three, like I need to, um, I'm starting to keep a lot more like really healthy, hearty snacks on hand. Cause sometimes it's really cold and you're in your bed and you're like, it's cold. The last thing I want to do at six 30 at night, it's pitch blackout. I'm shivering is get up and make food. Right. And so like doing some meal planning so that I have things already ready and all I have to do is quickly heat them up versus needing to like cut the potatoes and this whole thing. I'm still figuring all that out, but I think, you know, eating healthy or at least have healthy options, like have veggies in my diet. Sometimes I'm just like, I need spinach. <laughs> like I need to eat something green, you know, not trail mix or whatever. So I think that um, eating healthy 
getting good sleep is something that I found to be really tied to my mental health is I need eight hours of sleep at least. And that's just the kind of person I am. Some people can survive on less and I'm always really happy for them to be able to do that. You know, I operate best like eight to 10 hours. I can't always do it, but if I go many days in a row without that, it catches up with me. I start feeling sad. I'm like, why am I so sad? So I think those things are really important. And I also do a lot of journaling. I'm in therapy. Um, I meditate. I should meditate more or I want to meditate more. Um, doing yoga, like in the morning, taking my coffee, just sitting on my yoga mat, even if I don't do yoga, just like facing the sun and letting the sun hit me while I burn some incense and just sit and breathe, just taking some space and being okay. Like I had people in my van last night and we were playing games and I was like, okay, everyone, I'm going to bed, get out, love you, but it's time to leave. I kick people out of my van in a loving way, but I'm like, it's time. I'm glad you were here. And I'm also going to be glad when you leave because I need some space, you know? Um, so yeah, I think those are a few of the things. Those are also good. I feel like I resonate so much with the food thing. It is such a struggle when you're with other people, um, especially in the winter when the sun sets early. So you like are in this weird transition. I, I know for sure if I eat dinner before sunset, even if dinner is very early then that that helps me. And the thing I'm switching to now which we'll see. I'll let you know how it works. I think I'm going to, I'm going to start doing a, a liner, you know, make my big meal, the, the middle meal, because morning is very easy for me. I'm a morning person. I work until midday. So lunch is not a big deal. It's like, I finish my work day. I can make lunch and then I'm going to do whatever my activity errand running, hanging out with people. Um, and then it's dinner. That's challenging. So I'm going to try to make the dinner food at lunch. And then you'll just have other leftovers to reheat, or you can have like a heavy snack for dinner, like not worry about it because you've already received all of like your nutrients. I love that idea. What time do you think you'll do it? I think like between one and two, maybe like a later lunch. Okay. Yeah. Liner. Let me know how that goes. I feel yeah. inspired to try it too. <laughs> right. It was, it was, it was my mom's idea. Um, she was, she was inspired by my, my grandpa and his wife. Um, they, they have done liner forever because they get up at the crack of dawn and have <laughs> breakfast. Um, and then they eat lunch at 11 and then they eat liner at like three or four. And, uh, um, my grandpa has his, his beer and, uh, Evelyn pours her glass of Franzia out of the fridge. And they go to bed at like six or seven. I'm like, this is great. I love this. I too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First of all, relationship goals. Second of all, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to try this. I need to go pick up some Franzia. Okay. <laughs> Won't be able to keep it in the fridge because our fridges are too small, but you, you can get the red, uh, the red blend. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh man. Um, speaking of hanging out with people, what has it been like making friends on the road? You obviously have lived in a lot of urban areas and have worked in big companies. Like you kind of have that, that's like built, making friends is built into those environments. And when you just move into a vehicle and start driving around, um, that can be challenging. Yes, it can. And it can feel lonely. You know, I do think there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. Mm -hmm. I like being alone. It's why I live in a van alone. Right. And there have been times where I've felt lonely. Um, it's not often, 
but it happens and it happened this fall early fall for me um i hadn't really made any van friends yet a couple like in climbing areas um but i hadn't really made any real close van friends in person and i had this like little um stint with fear where i almost got bit by two copperheads on a trail they like lashed at my boot I was alone. I was like a couple miles in. I was super scared. Um, and then that same day I got chased by a tornado in Oklahoma and I was like driving the other direction on the highway going like 85 miles per hour, like literally running from a tornado warning, which means it's like touching down. And I was in a bathtub in a Hampton Inn, I think. And I was The sirens were going off. All the lights were off. I was just sitting in this bathtub drinking a beer. I was like eating Wendy's chili. It was so gross. I don't ever eat that stuff, but I was like, I had to, I just needed to get some food and I was scared rightfully. So, and that was all in the same day. And it was just like a weird, weird time, of course. And then the next day I felt really sad and I was like, I need a hug. And I want to be with a friend and I we're in a pandemic. I can't like hug a stranger. I don't even know if I'd feel comfortable doing that if I could. And it was just weird. I was driving. I actually put a video of it on my Instagram where I was like, I'm sad. And I was crying and I was like, I feel like I want to hug. And I wrote, talked to my therapist about it. And I wrote about it in my journal. And I said, I literally wrote this. I said, I don't know how, but I really hope to find community on the road. I don't even know if it's possible. I don't, I'm like, no idea. And then fast forward, November, I go to Joshua Tree and now I have like 90 new van friends. (laughs) I don't know. There's so many people. And then there's this community of us that have been hanging out and kind of traveling around together um you know I get to travel with you and it's just been it's just been beautiful I was so grateful for it and the connections um I feel like people have my back and I met people because somebody was like hey do you want to come to my birthday party in Joshua Tree and I'm like sure so I roll up don't know a single person um enjoy that then there's another group of van people in Joshua Tree, they're having a Vans giving event. And they're like, do you all want to come over? I'm like, sure. I was planning on spending Thanksgiving alone. I don't really like that holiday anyways. But roll over, circle up with all these Vans, meet so many people, deeply connect with them in a meaningful way. Um, yeah. And since November, and now it's what, like February, I've been hanging out with people in chunks of time, but it's been kind of like an entourage rolling around, which has been really beautiful and nice. I didn't realize how new it was that you have discovered. You discovered community very recently. Yeah. There was also a good vibe collective meetup that I went to in October in Ojos Caliente. That's how I met some of our mutual friends. Um, And that was like a small meetup. And I was like, Ooh, this is cool. And then I'm like, I guess these are my van friends now. And then I didn't even realize that they're also part of a group of van friends and they're also part of a group. And it's just this huge Venn diagram of humans that are interconnected and strange, 
beautiful ways. But yeah, community for me on the road is very new. Community for me in general is not new because I lived in um, Oakland and I lived in the Bay Area and I had partners who lived in communal living. And so like I've seen it. I've been a part of it in unique ways. I go to Burning Man. So I've seen community in that way. Uh, but I did not find community on the road until this fall. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I feel like uh, I've been having this conversation a lot recently because um, for those of us who got on the road when I did the end of 2018, um, the 2019 van year was like the year of the van gathering. There was a there was a new gathering basically every month that year, and that is how for anyone that got on the road at the same time that I did, or like shortly before, it was like, you know, the two or three months we had at the beginning where we didn't know anyone before we went to equity or whatever gathering was our first gathering. And then it was really easy. Like you would, you went to this thing and everyone there was also going to the next thing. And sometimes there'd be multiple gatherings to choose from. And like, that was the big deal. Like who's going to go to Colorado and who's going to go to Idaho. Um, that hasn't existed since COVID, you know, like there's been a lot of informal kind of things and one or two gatherings in the winter. Um, but there's not been just like a whole, you know, like event schedule for the nomadic community to find each other at. Yeah. I remember at one point actually messaging you on Instagram before we became in real life friends. And I was like, Hey, how do you like, where are the meetups? And I remember you go, I don't really know that many, but then you gave me a list of like 30, (laughs) like you just said you didn't know any, and you just gave me a list of like 30 things that you should consider. And I remember like looking them all up and like researching them a little bit and deciding, you know, what would feel in line for me, what wouldn't. And anyways, I, I didn't even know that that was a thing until not that long ago. (laughs) Yeah. And like, that's, that's very much a lot of people's experience of, you know, like, I, uh, my friend Steve was on the road for, I think like a year and a half before he like met a single other person that was also on the road that like, wasn't an RV or at a campground. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. And once you do, it's like, oh, this person knows this person and oh, this person's also going to come. And now you're, you're like, you try to break off from a big group and then it becomes a big group again, because everybody's inviting their friends. Cause you're in a good spot. And then you meet all these people and it's really, it picks up speed. <laughs> Especially this time of year. And like, there's only so many states that people outside of the people who, um, you know, buy icon passes and do all of the like get snowed in at the ski resort. um, The rest of us only have a handful of states that we can exist in comfortably with the temperatures and weather. And even that like it is cold now you've been dealing with windstorms for a couple of days. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Don't say the W word. It's going to pick up again. (laughs) Yesterday, the van was like, I mean, it was rocking back and forth. Everyone was in their vans all day yesterday and it was cold, like super cold. And I don't have a heater in my van yet. I'm going to put a heater in my van for the next winter because I can't do it again. One, one winter without a heater and there will be a heater next year. (laughs) Yep. I feel that I did two years without the heater and I can't believe I was ever stubborn about it. It is, it has enriched my life. I mean, I'm in Tucson right now. It should, it is typically one of the warmest places. It was 27 when I woke up this morning. So cold. So cold. 
it's when your face is cold and you're just like, oh, I've got to get out of bed. And now I have to like get all the things out to make coffee. And, you know, we signed up for this and it's cold. And I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> yeah. On Here. that note, how is, how is the reality of like living and traveling on the road been compared to whatever, like your 10 year ago, Pinterest board expectations of what this lifestyle was going to be like? You know, it feels wonderful in so many ways. You know, I, I think also because I bought the van empty and then I had this like 1.0 build that I did, um, where, it was like unistruts across the frame of the van and a mattress on top. It was not insulated. It was, and it was just boxes everywhere. I literally just moved all my things into the van and it was a disaster and it was so cold and so uncomfortable. And I lived like that for a while before I moved to Colorado to live with my friend Joda to build out 2.0 van, right? So I think that experiencing the 1.0 version made me appreciate the 2.0 version so much more like, oh, it's insulated. We've got sheep's wool in the walls to keep us warm. You know, I've got like a bed and a sink and a closet and benches to store my gear and a bathroom and, you know, all these things that I didn't have in the 1.0. Um you know, I do try to keep it real with people about van life in general and just most things in general, because <laughs> I think social media is such a highlight reel of my life is this curated, perfect thing. And I love that for people. Like I love seeing people make money doing van life and curating these like beautiful images. And I'm all for that. Like go, you keep crushing it. And I think it's really important to keep it real about what's realistic. Like right now I'm almost out of water and my dishes are everywhere. Well, you know how I always have dishes everywhere. (laughs) This isn't new, but because the water is running low, I have to decide like, okay, I need to go get more water. That's an option. I need to do that. But I have water that I need to drink and to do dishes. Like what's more important? And like, that's a thing you have to think about, but you don't in a house. I'm like, it's not that sunny today. Do I need to have all these lights on? You know, like, no, I need to turn some lights off. And anyways, those are just things that I don't think we talk about that much that we have to consider and think about. And things are always broken and you have to fix them. Like there's always something it's like owning a house. There's always something broken that you need to fix. It's hard sometimes to find laundry. It's, you know, it's just tricky. I haven't taken a shower in a few days. Like, you know, it's just one of those things. And that's not the stuff that we talk about much online. I try to, I try to be like, today was a shitty day. I had a bad day today and I need to tuck away and hole up in my van and not see anybody. And sometimes it's hard. Like you have to plan where you're going to go all the time, right? Like, okay, I'm going to go here. Where am I going to sleep? Do I need to fill up water before I go? Do I need to go get groceries? Like just all these things that we don't see online very much that I think is really important to share. I think you do a pretty good job of sharing that stuff too. We're like, this is broken. This hit me in the head today because it's broken. (laughs) Or like, you know, and I think it's just important. Like it's not a Pinterest board. It's real life. And all the hard things that you have in a house are still out here. The scenery is just a little bit better. Like yes. that's basically it. Um, so yeah. they're high 
that was just like everything. There's a daily struggle for sure. I feel like my, my yesterday's struggle was that I hadn't done dishes in two days because I needed to dump my gray water and I've been in mm-hmm. a city. So it was like finding, it was really challenging, to like find a good place to dump the gray water, but the dishes were just piling up and piling up. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it was getting, it was getting real bad. Like I had just deep cleaned my whole van and Penny and me and like gone to the grocery store and I wanted to cook all these wonderful things. And I was like, no, I have to, my singular focus is to figure out where to dump this gray water. And it doesn't matter that it's yeah. like the middle of my work day and I've got stuff I need to do for work. Like I just, I, I have to dump this gray water because I cannot like live like this otherwise. Yeah, exactly. It's stuff like that, that you just don't think about when you live, when you're a house person, you know, like you don't think about that stuff. You think about other things, which are valid and important and weigh on you in a different way. Right. But there's just always something like, I'm just looking around my van right now and I'm like, that's broken. I need to fix that. Like, oh, you know, I need to do laundry. There's clothes everywhere. It's not perfect. And even when I did my tiny home tour, like, I'm like, my van's never this clean. <laughs> this feels a little fake. I need to mess things up and actually show you that there's a pile of things outside the van that aren't in here right now because <laughs> this is the pile of things that moves around the van, right? <laughs> These are the things that go from the top of the toilet to the front cab to the back, depending on if I'm driving. And yeah, it's messy because it's tiny. It's also easy to clean because it's mm-hmm. tiny. Um, but yeah, it's pretty fun and messy I would say (laughs) I love when I watch new tour videos and they go to do the b-roll for the sink and the person hasn't moved their dirty dishes I'm like yes this is accurate you just shove them in the sink and you forgot that the videographer was going to lift the cover off the sink to take b-roll I'm like he's not they're not the videographer is not going to move your stuff so like it's just in there now and I love that it's so it's so real it's so good like I wish people would make their bed less to show what they live like (laughs) right I know I'm like are you opening every drawer? Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for sitting down and chatting with me. If, uh, if people want to reach out to you about business stuff or they want to follow you, talk to you like as a human person, where, where can they do those things? Yeah. As a human person, you probably Instagram's the best. It's K-A-T-I-R-Y-A-N. And that's on Instagram and then business stuff. It's just a positive adventure.com. So you can go there and read about kind of what we do. And there's a way to get in touch with me if that feels interesting. Awesome. Thank you so much, Katie. Thanks, Loren. Appreciate you. Today's episode is brought to you by the Tiny Home Tours Coloring Book. Meet 20 real-life nomads and alternative space dwellers and color images of the interior and exterior of their homes, plus passion pages filled with their favorite things. The Tiny Home Tours Coloring Book can be purchased at tinyhometours.com backslash coloring dash book or at the link provided in the show notes. Free shipping to the continental United States on all orders over $17.99. This episode has been a Tiny Home Tours production. If you're a fan, please rate and review us wherever you listen, share with your friends, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.